Good day, everyone. This is Martha Childress, and welcome to the Natural Choice Network, a local platform and meeting place where sustainable living comes live. Naturalchoice.net and the Natural Choice Network directories have many great ways for a conscious community to connect, stay up to date on green resources, natural health, natural food, and mind spirit. And you can also stay connected right here with me or Darielle Archer every Tuesday at half past noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Well, today I am again honored and pleased to have Fritzi, Fritzi Hortzman back on the show to talk about the latest with her truly groundbreaking and inspiring Compassion Prison Project. Welcome to the show, Fritzi. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Martha. So happy to be here. How are yeah. you? Just fine, just fine. You know, so much has emerged since you first introduced the um, Compassion Prison uh, Prison Project with your moving YouTube video, Step Inside the Circle. And that video continues to move me deeply every time I watch it. So for those who are hearing about your work for the first time, why don't you start there and in introducing your um, our audience to this project? Absolutely. Uh, so Compassion Prison Project uh, began in 2019. Um, I walked into a prison in 2018 after just having read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel, by Bessel van der Kolk. And I realized after reading that book that I had been traumatized, severely traumatized as a child. And I've come to learn that I've been living with PTSD um, all of my life in a state of hypervigilance, um, quick to be annoyed, quick to uh, rage. Uh, road rage was one of my things. Um, and I, I didn't really understand that my behavior was because of my trauma and it wasn't who I was. So when I walked, when I stepped foot in a prison, my entire life changed because I met a hundred magnificent men on that day. They weren't super predators. They weren't the monsters that I'd been told. They were just people that were dealing with trauma and there was no help for them. And I told them when I, when I introduced myself that day, I said, this isn't a prison, this is a trauma center. Yeah. I walked out of that prison that day and I vowed I would do something about it and raise awareness about trauma and bring healing modalities to the men and women living in prison throughout the United States. Well, and it's amazing just how that shift in perspective, you know, from looking at these violent criminals, just to see just that microcosm, just in your quick reactions, how that the magnitude and the amplitude of what they must have been subject to as young as young children and the trauma that probably ignited anger that they just could not control and, you know, acted out in the moment in ways that, you know, have put them in a place where they continue to have more trauma and more separation. Exactly. And to understand that when we have a judgment about something, um, usually it comes from a, from our fear center, you know, we're in our brainstem when we start judging people, you know, when I used to look at a homeless person and say, you know, what's wrong with them? <laughs> well, guess what? It's not what's wrong with them. It's what happened to you. It's what happened to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, we get a, we get a dopamine uh, hit every time we judge somebody or anytime someone's punished, it's actually, interesting. Um, our body gets rewarded for thinking badly about other people and, and, thinking violently about other people. When we watch violent movies, we get adrenaline throughout our bodies. So it's, it's, it's my thing is I think we really need to start thinking about how our body's responding to the stimulus that we're getting. And is that, is that how we want to respond? Are we coming from our cortex? And the cortex is the part of the brain. It's, you know, the prefrontal cortex is right above your eyebrows and the cortex is the top part of your brain. 
And that's the place that makes us human. And that makes that's the place where we learn, where we're creative. But it's also the place where we have we make our moral decisions and also where we um, understand right from wrong, understand consequences. So many of the times when these crimes are being committed, and not to make light of them, but to explain that when these crimes are being committed, we're not in our cortex. We're in our brainstem and the amygdala, which is um, the fear center of our brain that, that activates um, you know, the fight-flight response, shuts down the prefrontal cortex it, yeah. because you have to mobilize to escape or to fight. So things that aren't necessary, that the body deems not necessary in the brain, go offline. And so we have no moral, we're not making a moral decision when we're in fight or flight. So in that the physiology in its sense just kind of blinds you to judge, you know, to um, not the icky kind of judgment, but just kind of the any sort of self-control, because like you say, the physiology makes these people probably um, well, anyone feel very, very vulnerable. And that's usually just like a, a mama bear or anything, anything in the wild. That's how they react. Exactly. But same with fighter with uh, when you're in your in road rage because yeah. your sense of safety has just been disturbed and your body says all right what are we going to do but it also makes you cranky it also makes you irritable um when you're in that when you're in you know when you're worried about your life for some reason we get cranky but so and that's that this information is what i want to get to the people living in prison because they're living with worlds of shame. They've been shamed yes. and they're shamed daily by yeah. living in prison. Yeah. So I want to uplift them so that they can start. One of the key things here is 95 to 97% of the people living in prison are coming home. And do we want to contribute to the homeless population? Do we want to contribute to more addiction, more crime? Or do we want these men and women returning to us, do we want them to come home as leaders uh, and community activists and people that are taxpaying citizens? And if you ask me, I want a taxpaying citizen. Well, yeah. And then once that trauma is, you know, looked at, I, I, I know the last time we talked, they were just starting to call, collect a little bit more data on that because it could just be so transformative for um, rehabilitation, like you say, because the trauma just gets worse in prison and then we send them out um, with <laughs> with more trauma and then people still judging them, all those things that tend to contribute to erratic behavior. So um, that's the piece that I think is so exciting that you're working with. And it sounds like you have a lot of new projects that are kind of oriented to kind of get that message out into more people. Uh, well, yes. and. One of the things, I don't know if you know that, just to start, one of the, the first things um, uh, we started tackling is getting pen pals to every person on death row. And we've just completed um, getting pen pals for all of Alabama death row. Wow. And we're moving, we're moving on to Mississippi right now. So if any of your listeners are interested in joining our pen pals um Please, please have them come. Uh, please have them come to our website at compassionprisonproject.org and we'll match you up with someone on death row. And if you don't want to be matched up with someone on death row, there's 1.8 million people that um, that need a pen pal. I'm sure a, a lot of them have pen pals, but getting a letter is one of the best things for them every day. And it's actually, it, it uplifts their status within the community because they have somebody that cares about them. Actually having someone, imagine that, that 
a lot of people in prison don't have someone that cares for them. And never did. Well, that's true. And and not to blame not to blame the parents, but remember those parents didn't have traumatized did, Exactly. Yeah. And they yeah. didn't know what care looked like. I honestly I didn't know what care looked like. I have it I don't know if you I have an ACE score, an adverse childhood experiences quiz score of eight. And that's, we talked about that on your last episode, but I want to really continue telling you about the project that we're working on, which is blowing my mind. It's called Trauma Talks. It's a 12-part video series and workbook that we're creating to bring into all prisons in the United States. We're piloting, we're beginning to pilot in the next couple of weeks, episode one. And we have a workbook, which the chapter one of the workbook, which corresponds to episode one, it's about 40 pages long. And I mean, it's filled with just information and, and all kinds of somatic healing uh, techniques, yoga prompts, uh, discussion prompts, just in in games, like brain games for them to really understand these concepts. Um, And remember, like, the average reading level of a person in prison is like sixth grade. And so we want to get them, we want to make this information as um, available to everybody, you know? Um, So we don't want it. We don't want, you know, too many big words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I know in your step inside the circle, um, for those who haven't seen the video, they can just go to your website too and get the link there. Or just, I know, I think you can just do step inside the circle if you Google it right now too. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I would really love your audience to take a look at step inside the circle and share it with your friends. Um, Because I, you know, creating awareness about trauma in prison, but also in trauma in our society, a lot of in the comments in on YouTube, a lot of people exactly. are saying, this is me too. And I didn't make it to prison, but this is me too. And guess what? Most of the people in our society are traumatized, even yep. if it's, you know, they think neglect is a, is no big deal. My mother was never home when I was growing up, but guess what? That's a traumatic event because the brain doesn't have a feedback loop from the parents yeah. and the brain actually develops differently when, when that happens. Um, so, but we're about to pilot at one prison and, their idea, we all agreed that we would try and get every single resident in that prison to watch trauma talks and work on the workbook and sit in community discussing what they've learned. Um, they also want me to uh, expand the curriculum that we've created for the correctional officers and yeah. bring that curriculum to them, which means that within by the end of the year, it is possible that we will have a completely trauma-informed, trauma-responsive, trauma-aware, and trauma-sensitive prison in California. Wow. That is, I just have to put my hat up for you. And this is something too, that could, could go to police departments and that sort of thing too. But in that step inside the circle, to me, the most moving part was to see how all the inmates, you know, they started this big, long circle and you were asking them these, you know, questions like, you know, were you hurt when you were, you know, a child? And then were you hurt very, very badly? <laughs> um, and to see them all kind of looking at each other and then starting to step in together and how moving it was for them to first not only recognize that that happened to them, but, you know, so many people around them too. And that sense of camaraderie and 
I don't know. It just, it still just makes me want to cry when I think about it. It was just so beautiful to see unfold and that compassion um, trauma circle and doing that sort of work. Um, I think you're going to get the same response where they're going to feed off each other and motivate each other to do this. I think so. And that's the thing. That's the thing that we've come to understand is that when we share what what happened to us, it brings us together Mm -hmm. instead of creating this front that everything is okay. It's like, no, some terrible, terrible things have happened to a lot of us. And we need to, we need support for this. And, you know, there's this myth in America that we're rugged individualists and that we can do it on our own. Well, guess what? That's what's causing our isolation and our depression and our suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we are, we were born and we're communal creatures. You know, that's how our brains really thrive. And, you know, COVID has been a real, a real test of our, of our own abilities to endure isolation. But think about the men in our California prison systems that live in uh, a maximum security. It's not solitary, but they're in their cells up to 23 hours a day. Yeah. And, and if the guards have a holiday on the weekends, they don't let them out. And during COVID, they went months without leaving their cells. I mean, they oh would get out for, for a shower, but go right back in. So that's what we're looking at. Um, for And there's a lot of maximum security prisons. And the other thing about these prisons is they don't have programming. I mean, they have some, but it's just not enough. Yeah. There are waiting lists. And, and it's really, I think it's really important that the officers and the people working in prisons understand that this programming and education is the key to creating a safe environment. And I want those officers to go home, go home every night to their families. But you know, the life expectancy of an officer is 59 years old. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so that's the thing that presents as having six or more aces, um, which means that they're living in a land of toxic stress. Yeah. They're, they're in fight or flight 100% of the time, their yeah. body, and it basically when you're in fight or flight that much, toxic stress means that your immune system is just wiped out. And, and, yeah. and your longevity, it just, it, it depletes, it depletes everything. Well, and I think that's what we're probably going to learn is a big aftermath of the whole COVID too, how all the separation and all of the fear is added just that much more trauma to so many people that already had trauma to begin with. And so understanding this, you know, on the macro level, as well as the micro level, I think is absolutely inherent for, you know, all of our cultures to heal too. Um, all the differences, you know, all the all the prejudice, that all comes from fear. That all comes from trauma too. So I think of what you're doing here, um, you know, at that level, you know, will have ripple effects, you know, down to somebody who just may have been bitten by a dog when they were little or someone looks sideways. I mean, it still affects the brain one way or another. And until we start kind of recognizing that in each other, you know, just like the inmates did, you know, suddenly these guys that they were trying to be so macho and um, be afraid of, and especially in prison, you know, were suddenly uh, putting their arms around each other and crying. I mean, it's like, imagine what that could do for society to look at people going, Ooh, if I'm afraid of you, that must mean, you know, we share some trauma and I should look at you with compassion. Exactly. And, you know, the other thing about our brains, um, you know, when we see someone who doesn't look like us, we go into, um, okay, we, 
like, is this safe? Is this person safe? Yeah. And you know, that's, that's not a racist response. That's just a survival response. Yeah. So, and our, you know, when I see an African-American across the street and I don't know them, um, my brain says, okay, this could be dangerous, but then it's important that we realize that, wait a second, no, that's my brain. That's my body reacting. But does, does this person really look like a threat to me? And I, you know, but yeah, it's, and the it's same a, goes the other way around too. And they have a lot more to fear than what we do sometimes. Big time, big yeah. time. And yeah. so that's the thing. It's that we all have to start seeing how our brain works. And okay, so for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in the past week is my son. He usually he takes forever to get out of the house. It's, it's impossible. But <laughs> by the time I get him out of the house, not only are we 15 minutes late, but I'm in a state of like, I'm in fight or flight again. He's, he's activated all of my triggers. Well, this week I didn't, I was like, okay, we're going to be late now. Um, instead of just blowing a lid. And that's because I've started watching myself in action. And that's the thing. That's why we do meditation, tapping, mm -hmm. mindfulness. All these things are so important to regulate our emotions and our responses to the way the world reacts to us. And yeah. the so I, you know, I highly recommend um, to your listeners is to start watching your thoughts and watching watching the amount of violence that we we run through our brains every day. If it's a judgment about someone or it's a judgment about ourselves, that's violence and that changes the world. And when we start being kinder to ourselves, that changes the world as well. And I think it's really important we start really looking at at you know, what we do in every moment, because then, then we start, then I can be, I'm relating to my son in a way I've never related to him, even when he's late, even when he's driving me nuts. So I'm not yelling at him and, and doing things I, res I regret in, in the aftermath. Yeah. Well, and that's a really good point too, because, you know, the, the regret, any kind of regret and shame when you're triggered and, you know, just like you said, just adds and amplifies to the whole trauma situation too. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, these are, these are the principles that we're bringing to prison is so that they yeah. can stop work, li living in fight or flight and start saying, oh yeah, look, he's triggering me. Okay. Yeah, breathe. <laughs> let's breathe. Exactly. Yeah. Or let's do a tapping exercise or let me just walk away. Instead yeah. of engaging, which is the thing. I mean, people want to engage, especially if they're really traumatized. My mother would want to engage every day with me. Oh, God. And I would want that. And I was always in flight. And, you know, one of my, one of my adaptive, maladaptive strategies has been to become a workaholic. How many people in the United States are workaholics? How oh, many yeah. people don't connect to their, their friends and their family because they, they just don't know how to connect anymore? And so these are the things we get to unravel as a society and together. But honestly, Martha, I think it's urgent what's going on right now. Absolutely. I think it's urgent that we all do our part. We save water, especially in the United, in California, yeah. but we also are kind to our neighbors. And we, yep. when we're in the grocery store, let's not look at someone with um, disdain. Let's look at that person as, as our neighbor, as our friend, as our, as a potential person who could help us at another time um, and, you know, donate to charities and uh, which brings up my charity. Um, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing that I know is we're about to print um, 
4,000 booklets of chapter one for the men at um, this prison we're going to, 4,000. That's going to cost us over $10,000. So if you're interested in in, uh, paying for a booklet, um, we would love, we would love your donation right now. It's, you know, $10,000 is, is, is coming right out of the salaries of, of some of the people that are working for us. So it would be really wonderful to have your audience contribute to, to this pilot program we're doing. And I guarantee. Absolutely. And we'll put something up. We'll put a, um, something up on our homepage on our website too. For those amazing. Donations. Amazing. Yeah. And you can donate easily at compassionprisonproject.org. And also remember to share the, the step inside the circle with your friends, if you yes. find it moving. Uh, Absolutely. And the giving back project too. Um, I know we're going to have to close here in a few minutes, but can you just take a nod to that? Because I think as far as people getting their self-worth back and how important that is um, for them to be giving back, I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful twist on things. Absolutely. Um, The giving back project is one of the ways we want to build bridges back for the men and women in prison back to society. Um, one of the guys came to me and he said, I want to create a stem cell, a stem, not a stem cell class, a stem class for, for, a, for um, a recreation group in his neighborhood where he came from. Another guy wants to send um, greeting cards to children in, in children's hospitals that are sick or dying. And um, these kinds of things um, are blossoming all over the prisons. Right now we wow. have four books of poet, poetry um, spoken word essays and artwork that we're about to publish. We, we need money for that as well, of course. Yeah. But, you know, these are, these are gifts. These are their gifts. This is what they have. They have nothing. Remember, yeah. they've been stripped down to, to basically nothing. And all they can do is, is give, give their art and their, their poetry. One man who murdered his mother, not his mother, his girlfriend and his baby. Oh, geez. It's, it's horrendous. And, He's been in prison for 20 years. And I said, you can forgive yourself. And he says, I can't because that would condone what I've done. But he's an incredible, incredible artist. And all he wants to do is tell his tell the the parents of the girlfriend he murdered, how terrible he feels and how terrible he's so sorry. I mean, he's living in pain every day from what he's done. But he blacked out. He doesn't remember actually doing it. Yeah, I, yeah. It was a trauma that caused that in the first place. And like you say, you know, if we want to, you know, make prisons less crowded, you know, let's just keep people from going in them in the first place and rehab the ones properly that are in there now and reintegrate them in society. So I just totally, totally commend you with what you're doing and uh, want to give as much support as we can. And uh, what final message or personal thought do you want to leave us with? As Mother Teresa says. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. Oh, wow. That deserved a little pause. That's a good one. That's a good one. And how, again, can people get involved? Do you want to just repeat your website one more time or people can go to naturalchoice.net? Absolutely. It's compassionprisonproject.org. And just dive into what we're doing. There's a lot of great links for you to um, explore. Yeah, you. and you can also go to just naturalchoice.net and find the archive and we'll get those other links posted to to you so you can get it the word out and start sharing. And thank you so much again for joining us today, Fritzi. Thank you, Martha. It was wonderful being here. 
Yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners for choosing to join in too. As you know, our choices create our experiences and collectively our experiences create our community. So online, on print and on air, thank you for making the natural choice.